children. And we're so thankful to be able to glorify you in this way here today, that we can worship together, that we can open our hearts and pour out these praises. I pray that it will be honoring to you. And now as we look at your word this morning, we're praying that you will do what only you can, and that is by the Holy Spirit, take your word and help us to understand it. And Father, would you help us more than understand it? Would you help us to be able to see how it applies to our hearts, how it should change us, that we would not sit here this morning and be unaffected by what we hear, but that we would take the truth to heart. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. One of the things that parents like to do when their kids become toddlers is to uh, start a growth chart to measure how tall their kids are getting and to kind of see their progress and keep track of their progress. Sometimes uh, we do that in a chart that we can pin up in our child's room or, or sometimes you do it on the door frame. If you were to come to our house, you would see our growth chart, well, not really our growth chart, Gavin's growth chart, on the pine archway that separates our kitchen from the dining room. And if you were to look there, you would see all kinds of little pencil marks. And some of them have dates beside them from when we measured him. And, and uh, I remember one time when he was getting close to his grandmother's height. And now, <clears throat> she's not here, so I can say this. Gavin's grandmother is not exactly of impressive stature, let's say. But still, it was a milestone, and so we measured Grammy, and we measured Grampy, who was a little bit taller than Grammy, and measured me and Melody, and, and uh, we marked Gavin's progress, and you know, if you've met Gavin, then you know that there was a point when Gavin just grew and grew and grew and grew, and we saw all these little marks all the way up, uh, all the, way up the side of the archway, and you maybe have that in your house too. But imagine if you were doing that with your child, imagine if you're doing that with your little boy or your little girl, and, and you had measured them, and then life got busy, and a few months went by, and you said, oh boy, we haven't measured little Sally for a while, and so you take her over, and you measure, and you go, hmm, she's the same height that she was six months ago. That's strange. Usually children continue growing, but, you know, sometimes it's in spurts, so no big deal. And so life goes on, and a few more months roll by, and, and you're like, oh, boy, we need to see how little Sally's making progress growing. And so we take her over to the wall or to the archway or the door frame or whatever it is, and we go to measure, and we go, oh. that's strange. She's shorter than she was six months ago. Now, what would you do if that happened? Well, first of all, you'd make sure, you know, that she didn't have high heels on when you measured her the time before or something like that. Make sure she's standing up nice and straight. But if you realized that little Sally had stopped growing or perhaps started shrinking, what would you do? You'd call the doctor, quick, call the pediatrician, get us into a specialist. Why? Because something's wrong. Something's wrong. Growth is normal. Growth is celebrated. But stagnation 
And shrinking is bizarre, isn't it, in our children physically? And it's cause for serious concern. We would sound the alarm and we would figure out what was wrong quickly. Now, if you've been around here for a little while, this is week 12 in the book of Hebrews as we are studying our way through. And one thing that we're noticing is that it's one long continuing conversation. You might remember us saying that this book is written to Hebrew or Jewish Christians. Some of them were professing Christians. Some of them were Christians, but some of them were just professing to be Christians and were probably not even saved. And if you look through this book, if you have your Bible and you flip through the pages, you will see that almost every chapter begins with either the word therefore or the word for, connecting all of these thoughts together. So if you've been here the last few weeks or a handful of weeks and you've been looking at it with us and some of this seems a little bit confusing to you or a little bit difficult to understand, my challenge and encouragement to you is this. Please stick with us because these thoughts will build on each other as we go along. And what we're going to see, what we have been seeing, is a cohesive message about the superiority and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. We are, as the title of our series says, we are looking to Jesus to understand and to trust. So every week you've been coming in and Tim and I have been saying, well, remember what we said last week and remember what Mike said two weeks ago or Tim said two weeks ago, and this is how it all fits together. But what we're going to see this morning is that the writer pauses. We've been clipping along here. We've been going through these subjects. We've been linking them together, what it means to love Christ and to trust Christ. And now he pauses because with the accumulation of knowledge comes responsibility. So he pauses to give us two warnings. Now, there are seven warnings in the book of Hebrews. How many people remembered that? One person. Okay. There are seven warnings in the book of Hebrews. Now, you gotta, you, I'm, I'm pushing it here because you've got to have a long attention span. I don't know if I should tell you this or not. Tim, I don't know where you are. Should I say this? We're going to be in Hebrews until we get to Christmas time, okay? Because it's a long book. So you got to stick with us. And there's seven warnings, seven times when the writer says, wait, watch out for this. We've already looked at two of them. The first one was in chapter 2, and, and the writer said, warning, don't drift away from the harbor of salvation. Don't drift away from this wonderful truth that will change your life. And then a few weeks ago, Pastor Tim gave us the second warning which was don't harden your heart to the word of God. When God is speaking to you, listen and keep a tender heart. Now he's going to give us two warnings in a row. And uh, I know I said this uh, the other day, but Tim was talking about how I give him all the hard ones. <clears throat> well, stick around for the next two weeks and we'll see who gets the hard ones. Warning number three we're going to look at today, and it is this. Don't remain immature. Don't remain immature. Every Christ follower must go on to maturity. In other words, you got to grow up. 
Now, we're going to start reading this warning, the first section of it, then we'll start breaking it down and applying it to our lives. So if you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter 5, we're going to start reading in verse 11. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, you can follow along on the screen. If you don't have a Bible and you would like a Bible, there are some Bibles out there in the entryway. We'd be happy for you to have one. We'd love for you to take it home and to use it. So Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11 says this, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. About this we have much to say. About what do we have much to say? Well, here I'm going to say it. I'm going to link back to what Tim talked about last week. Do you remember last week, those of you that were here, do you remember he introduced us to a character that probably some of you had not heard of before? Does anybody remember his name? No? Melchizedek. Melchizedek. So the writer says about Melchizedek and about the Old Testament system and about the fact that all of it was pointing ahead to Jesus Christ, we have a lot more to tell you, but we can't do it. I can't do it. Now granted, it's a bit complex. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you last week at some point when Tim was explaining to us who Melchizedek was were at least, you know, internally scratching your temple saying, what is he talking about, right? Melchizedek. It's a little bit complex. Melchizedek was this guy that we read about in Genesis who was very unique because he was a king and a priest. That had never happened before. Either there were kings ruling or there were priests offering sacrifices, but never a king and a priest. But Melchizedek was pointing ahead to Jesus, who is the king of this world, and he is our high priest. Now, there's more about that that's coming, and we are going to pick that up. But here the writer says, I really want to tell you more. I know it's complex, but that's not the reason why I can't keep going. Can you see there in the verse? Look at the verse. Why could he not keep going? And explain that to them. Because they had become dull of hearing. Now that's a really nice way to say what needs to be said here. I'm not so nice. Sometimes I just say, you guys are sleeping and you're not paying attention. He says, you are dull of hearing. But dull of hearing literally means sluggish or lazy. The implication here is that they're apathetic. Yeah. You know what apathy is, right? Guys, apathy is what happens when you're in town and you ask your wife where she wants to eat. (laughs) That's apathy. Few of you know what I mean, apparently. So the writer pauses here to give them these two warnings. The first one we're going to see applies today very strongly to us as believers, but I want you to notice something. When you are reading, can I stop here for a second and talk about reading and studying your Bible? When you are reading and studying your Bible, please pay attention to the words. Is that verse still on the screen? See, it's still up here. See all these little segments of letters there? Those are words. (laughs) And the way you understand What the Bible says is to pay attention to those words. They matter. They matter. 
And before you can understand, have you ever picked up your Bible and started reading it, looked at it, and said, oh, my word, you spend a whole 35 seconds? I can't understand it. I don't know what it's saying. You take your Bible, you open it, you take some time, and you look at the words. You notice what is there, and they will be the keys with the Holy Spirit that will unlock its meaning for you. And I want you to do that this morning. I want you to look at the verse either on the pages in front of you or on the screen and notice that they had become lazy. They had become apathetic. What does that tell us? Well, you know what the word become means. It means that they hadn't always been this way. They hadn't always been this way. It was a process. It was not instant or automatic. Now, we know that some people have no interest in spiritual things. Don't we know that? Nod your head if you know that. Some people don't have any interest in spiritual things. Your friend or your coworker or the guy that you go to school with or perhaps even, unfortunately, your spouse or one of your children or your grandchild, they have no interest in spiritual things. That is not what he is talking about here. There was a gradual descent into laziness and apathy. They were progressing, and then it stopped. And even worse, they went backwards. Now let's see what the result was in verse number 12. <clears throat> For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Now again, keeping with our imperative to notice the words that are in here. Notice that it says, by this time. So again, there was a process, but it stopped, and the process has a goal. Can anybody see, looking at this verse and looking at the words in the verse, what is the goal of the growth and the progression of the Christ follower? So that we could be what? Teachers. So that we could be teachers. The word teacher means someone who has a mastery of their field. To put it in layman's terms, somebody who knows what they're talking about. I love listening to someone who knows what they're talking about, especially if it's something that I don't know anything about. I'm the first one to admit there are some things I just, I just don't understand. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. I don't understand any of it. And I love listening to someone who does. Uh, Tim Yates has done a lot of electrical work in my house. He's probably done a lot of electrical work in a lot of your houses. And I love it when he comes over to do something, and ex I always say, explain to me what you're doing. Now, I don't, I don't know if I'm fully grasping it. I don't want to burn my house down, so I'll probably just keep getting Tim to come over. But I love him explaining what he's doing, because I don't know what's happening there. I know that thing on the wall, when you stick the plug in, stuff works. I don't know what's going on in behind there, but he does, and he explains it. He has a mastery of those things, and so he's explaining it. Someone who knows what they're talking about, that's what the word is here. So what we're being told is that instead of a descent into laziness in the Christ follower's life, there should be a development and a growth and a maturity to the point where you can tell other people what you know. 
Now, I want you to notice here that he is not saying that every Christ follower is going to grow up in the faith and become a professional teacher. That's not what he's talking about. He's not saying that every single one of us that are here today are going to develop our maturity to the point in spiritual things that every one of us is going to get up and do what I'm doing here this morning. That's not what he's talking about. There is a gift of teaching that Tim and I exercise up here every week when we teach you. That's not what he means. What he means is this, that we look around us and we look and see those who are lost and we see those who are new to the faith and we see those who are younger than us spiritually and we pour into their lives. This is what Paul is talking about in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 when he tells Timothy, the things that you have heard from me, Timothy, you teach to faithful people and they will in turn teach other people. Did you pay attention to that verse? That's four generations. That's Paul, that's Timothy, that's the people Timothy teaches and the teach people that the, te- pe- the you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't do it, I'm not even going to try. That's four generations so that we can pass it along. Now, we look around, and we look around our church, and we see all the new folks, and we see all the new faces. We see some of them coming from other churches, but we see some of them coming to church for the first time. We see some of you coming to Christ here and and looking to understand what it means to walk with him. And as we look around, we keep asking ourselves, Tim and I literally almost every Monday morning at some point stand in the open area between our two offices and say, how are we going to connect with all these people? How are we going to meet them all? How are we going to help them all? How are we going to encourage and counsel and challenge them all? We can't. It's too many. It takes everyone. It takes all of us as Christ followers to guide and to teach. And here's the problem that happens here in verse 12. Look at it again. And why I say they went backwards because he says, by this time you should have been teachers. You should have had mastery of some of these things so you can pass it along to someone else. Instead... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. The phrase basic principles is very interesting. It literally means the first row of the alphabet. That's literally what that means. So a person who should be instructing others what it means to trust Christ and to walk with God is instead walking into the classroom And having the teacher hold up the flashcards and say, A is for apple, B is for boy, C is for cat. That's literally what he says here. It's the first row of the alphabet. Look at what he says. He goes on to say, he says, you need milk, not solid food. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of the very famous football coach from the 50s and 60s and 70s. His name was Vince Lombardi. He was widely regarded as the greatest football coach of all time. In fact, the Super Bowl trophy is named the Lombardi Trophy. And he led the Green Bay Packers to several NFL championships in the 60s. And then when we transitioned to the Super Bowl, the Green Bay Packers won the first two Super Bowls as well. But at one point in the middle of that amazing run of championships, the team was in a funk, and they were playing terribly, and Lombardi was so frustrated with these professional football players 
that he walked into the locker room where they were all sitting around, and he bent down, and he went like this, and he said, men, this is a football. What was he saying? You're champions. You're the best in the world, but you're not playing like it. This is a football. Come back to the fundamentals. A is for apple. B is for boy. That's what was happening. And so I don't think it's stretching it here when I look at this verse and he says you need milk, not solid food. What he's in fact saying to us is you are sucking on a baby bottle when you should be tearing into a ribeye. That's what he's saying. This is embarrassing. Look at verse 13. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Milk ain't gonna do it. Milk is not going to sustain you. There's not enough nutrition for you to grow and to develop. Now, for a baby, yes. Have you got, how many of you guys have met baby Waylon? Have you met baby Waylon? Oh, you need to meet baby Waylon. I don't know if he's here today. Uh, he doesn't usually travel alone. He has a whole posse. Um, Kirk and Stephanie Erickson's little guy. He's just two or three months old. He's got two cute little sisters and uh, baby Waylon. He is a handsome little dude. He's only, you know, he's like, yay big. And baby Waylon drinks milk. And he's growing. He's developing. He's changed. The last time I saw him, he's different than when I saw him three weeks ago. But he's a child. This is not a compliment when the writer says this here. He says, you are a child. That is an insult to a grown-up. Perhaps you have used it a time or two. With your spouse that you are irritated at who is not performing up to expectations. Don't be a, what do we say? It's an insult, right? Don't be a child. And that's what he's saying here. You're a child. You are unskilled. And if all you drink is milk, you will shrivel up and you will continue to regress. You watch. The next time Kirk and Stephanie come in, they're going to be swarmed by people, meaning baby whale, and he's going to be famous. You watch, you watch him over the next few months. He's going to grow. He's going to get taller. He's going to get heavier. He's going to get stronger. Pretty soon he's going to be running around here. Before you know it, he'll be getting his license and driving a car. He is going to develop but something else is going to happen. In a few months, he's going to start eating baby cereal. And he's going to be eating strained peas. 
and mushy carrots and mashed up bananas and his nutritional needs will grow as he grows. And if he keeps doing that, he'll grow up to be a strapping young man, I'm sure. Look at verse 14. Notice what he says. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. What is he saying? He's saying, get off the baby bottle. Get off the milk, get off the ABCs and practice what you know and move on to deeper things. These words here, practice and trained, these are athletic terms in Greek and they mean someone who is disciplined and someone who gets better and better because they practice it. And look at what this practice and growth and development leads to. It's right there in the verse. Again, look at the words discernment and distinguishing good from evil. We need to know right from wrong and good from evil. Sometimes, I don't know if you've noticed this lately especially, but sometimes they appear similar, don't they? Sometimes the words that are used appear similar. You're probably hearing words a lot these days like inclusivity and acceptance. Now, on the surface, those seem like good things, don't they? We want to accept other people. We want to include them in what we're doing. Of course we want to do that. But when we look more closely at what is meant by these words, we realize that's not what they mean at all. They mean we should lay aside all of our standards and celebrate sinful lifestyles. How can we tell? When someone is talking about inclusivity in the right way or in the wrong way. Well, you have to practice your powers of discernment. You need to know right from wrong and good from evil. You see, the purpose of study and the purpose of doctrine and the purpose of growth and teaching is not to simply fill our heads with knowledge or to help us win debates. Its purpose is to help make us godly people. To help us discern right from wrong. This is why so many churches in our country are failing today. Because we are not practicing the truth so that we can discern right from wrong. The most recent survey alarmingly tells us that 45% of evangelicals have a favorable view of homosexuality. 45, not 45% of Americans, not 45% of random people on the street, 45% of people who go to supposedly Bible-teaching churches. What does that mean? It means we're not practicing. We're not training. We're not discerning right from wrong. And this stagnation, this laziness is devastating to the church. Look at verse 1 of chapter 6. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith to our God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So because of all that, because 
when you walk around with a baby bottle hanging out of your mouth instead of gnawing on a piece of steak because this is what happens, this stagnation, this reversal of growth that results in your inability to discern between right and wrong, truth and fiction, truth and the lies, which devastates the body, then we have to leave that behind. We have to leave the basics behind and get going in our development and our maturity and our understanding. Now, in these two verses, there's a bit of a list here that can be confusing if we don't think through it a bit and revisit our context. So we're going to do that for just a second. Remember, who is the writer addressing? It was like 20 minutes ago. Jewish Christians, right? People who have been raised in the Jewish system who had now come to Christ or who had professed to come to Christ. They've grown up in the system. We're going to talk about it more again in the coming weeks so that you can understand it. But briefly, the purpose of the law was to point people to Christ. All that he would accomplish in forgiveness and salvation and a lot of concepts in the Old Testament, if you read it, a lot of concepts, concepts in the law were introduced, but they were not fully developed. Those concepts were just the beginning. And the foundation was laid so that when the Jews went through all of these rituals, they would understand, we are sinful, we need repentance, we need cleansing, we cannot do this ourselves, we need God. This is the point. God was teaching them that there was more to come, that the fulfillment of all this was to come, which is Jesus. It's just like when you teach your kids to wash your hands. If you have children or grandchildren, you probably remember teaching your kids to wash their hands or teaching them to brush their teeth. And when you taught your little ones to brush their teeth, you said, okay, Tommy, put the toothpaste on the toothbrush. Okay, you ready? All right, now this is very important because when you eat, Food gets stuck between your teeth, and if you leave it there for more than 24 hours, the chemical composition changes, and it begins to eat away at the enamel of your teeth, and soon gingivitis will develop, and I don't know if you knew this, Tommy, but gingivitis can actually lead to heart disease. Brush your teeth. (laughs) Is that how you taught your kids to brush your teeth? No. No. You put a little toothpaste on there. Actually, the first time you put a little, the second ten times you didn't put any on it. You just pretended. Daddy is putting the toothpaste on because you know it's going to go everywhere except in their mouths. But you just say, go ahead, brush your teeth. This is what, this is the way we brush our teeth. You're not worried that they understand all the reasons, right? You just want them to learn that they need to start. Same with washing their hands. They don't understand. They don't even know what they're doing. They're just having fun with water. And that's what, that's what God was doing. He was laying the groundwork so that they would understand. We need cleansing. We need repentance. We are sinful. 
Now the word washings here, in some translations it's, it's interpreted baptism. It's a whole different word. It's not this kind of baptism like we do after someone gets saved. That's not what it is. It's talking about the cleansing rituals that the Jews had to perform. Laying on of hands, he's not talking about laying on hands someone that, that is struggling and needs encouragement or that we're sending off to do a task. That's not what he was talking about. The Jews, when they brought a sacrifice to the temple for the priest to offer it, before they offered it, they would lay it on the altar, and then you know what they would do? Yes. Lay on their hands. They would lay their hands on the sacrifice. Why? To identify with it. In other words, they're saying, this is my sin that's being offered. That's what he's talking about here. Resurrection, eternal judgment. There's really not much in the Old Testament. You can study it sometime if you want. There's not much in the Old Testament about the resurrection or the eternal judgment. But they were mentioned, those concepts were introduced. Now, of course, there are major doctrines in the New Testament, and there is so much that can and should be learned. And so that's why he is saying all of these, these five things that he mentions, that he lists out here, he's telling the Jews, okay, move on from that. Those little ritual washings, you know, okay, Ishmael, wash your hands. Okay, Bartholomew, you can do it. Put your, altar, your sacrifice on the altar. Okay, we move on from that stuff. We're not there anymore. We're going to keep going. And for us, the message is the same, to learn and develop and to study and to grow. And look at verse 3 of chapter 6, the last verse that we'll read. And this we will do if God permits. So he caps off this warning by acknowledging God's sovereignty. What is he saying? He's saying this in the growth process. We need God to work in us. We need God to do it. Nothing happens without his empowering and his changing us. We need him desperately. So, you have been warned. Don't remain immature. Now, let me ask you to consider this. Was there progress in your walk with God at some point? Or is there progress in your walk with God right now? If so, what you doing? What you doing with it? Who are you teaching? Who are you passing it along to? Are you leading others? Are you investing in the babies? Or did it stop? If you spend all of your time reading and watching the same crap that the world reads and watches to the tune of five times as much as you read your Bible, then it's no wonder that it stopped. And then what happens? What happens when our growth stops? What happens when you get lazy? Well... You come to church and you say, goo goo gaga. <laughs> you come to church and you say, feed me. Quick, I need milk. I'm starving. If I can just barely hang on till I can get to church on Sunday, I'm about to expire. Why? Because you're sipping on a baby bottle all week instead of eating some real food. 
You need to learn to feed yourself. Milk is not going to sustain a grown person. The simple things of the Word of God, the ABCs, are not going to keep you going if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower who's been walking with God for many years. And I can't spoon feed you all the time. I got to feed the babies. See, there's an interesting thing about babies, even with the milk, they can't feed themselves. You're like, okay, here's the bottle. I'll be back. It doesn't work. Why? They're not even strong enough to hold the bottle. It's so cute watching babies, right? They're not even strong enough to put the bottle up. You have to be fed. And some are genuinely young. Some of you here today are on milk, and you should be because you just came to Christ. But even then, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Then notice what he says at the beginning of verse 15. Let those of us who are, what? Mature think this way. The mature ones, we need to keep going. Are you growing? Are you progressing in your knowledge of the truth? That's thing one. You got to grow. You got to progress in your understanding of the Word of God. And by the way, what Paul is saying here is this if you think you've got it handled, you're in trouble, you're dead in the water. It always has to be your goal to become more godly. Your life, your obedience, your discernment. There needs to be progress. We should not be dealing with the same things that we dealt with five years ago. We should be moving on. We should be getting stronger. And thing two, are you serving the body? Are you caring for others? Are you imparting what you know to those who are not as far along as you? And I don't want to hear anyone say, Mike, I don't know that much. You know more than somebody else. How much ever you know. And by the way, I think the point of this whole message is you shouldn't be satisfied with the fact that you don't know much. You should be progressing. You should be encouraging, caring, teaching younger people. Um, remember a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about how the Word of God sometimes step on our steps on our toes? Anybody remember that? Well, buckle up. The writer warns these people, and it is a stern warning. Some of you have been saved 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And all you do is sit. You come here and you wait for someone to put a spoonful of baby food in your mouth so that you can survive till the next week. And if you don't get back on the track of growth and progression in your spiritual life 
and strengthening, you will get swept away by the deception and the lies of Satan. It will happen. Don't tell me that it won't happen because I see it every day. Every day. Do you know how many people would be here this morning if everyone that came here and came to Christ or we think came to Christ and started to take off was still here? Do you know how many people would be here today? A thousand. I'm not exaggerating. A thousand. Where are they? They fell away. They were swept away by the deception and the lies of Satan. And that will happen. Get up. Get moving. Grab your Bible, feed yourself, study, read, grow. Let it change your life. Find someone who is not as far along as you. I don't care where you are. There is somebody here that is not as far along as you. And grab them and start pouring into their lives. Because I can guarantee you this, my friends. You do not want to be slurping on a baby bottle when Christ comes back. That's the warning. Grow Give, serve, and lay it all down for the one who laid everything down for you. Got it? Grow up. Father, thank you for the truth of your word this morning. It is sharp. It pierces our hearts. It is full of grace and mercy and truth, and we are so thankful for that, but it is also full of of the righteous and pure and unadulterated truth, and sometimes that is what we need to hear. This warning is for us. This warning is for every person here who professes to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I pray that we would grow up. Use us to reach those around us, to teach those babies around us, the adolescents around us, those that are young in the faith, that we might encourage them to walk with you. Father, we love you, and we recognize all you have done. I pray that we would not walk in ignorance in light of what has been shown to us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks, folks. I hope you have a great week.